You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This week's episode is a very vulnerable one. It's also a topic that we're going to be talking about today that a lot of women and men can find confronting and also extremely uncomfortable. Herpes, STIs and safe sex practices. Recently, I had Beck Antonucci on the show. Um, her episode was 73. It was breaking through emotional eating and body image stories. If you haven't listened to that, go and listen to that episode and get a bit of a backstory about where this episode came from. Beck joined us during that episode and shared that she tests positive for herpes. When I found that out and having known Beck, I knew that she would be very open to having this discussion around STIs with me. Beck is a personal freedom and emotional well-being coach, speaker, writer, and naked awakening facilitator. She's also the founder of a group coaching program called Being Brilliant. Beck supports women to break through ineffective self-worth and body image stories to activate their unique voice and start living their most brilliant and radically expressed lives. In this episode, we talk about what herpes is, the difference between a sexually transmitted disease and a sexually transmitted virus. We explore how herpes can affect your sex life and STIs for that matter too, where herpes actually lives in the body, how common genital herpes is. Then we expand and explore contraception and safe sex practices if you are engaging with someone with STIs or STDs or if you yourself has an STI or an STD. And we open up about how to have vulnerable sex conversations. This is a really beautiful podcast episode and extremely open and vulnerable. Beck has full disclosure about the fact that she's tested positive for herpes in the past and she explores and shares how this has helped her really reclaim her own radically expressed life. I trust you'll enjoy it. Hey Beck, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on again. How lucky am I? I know. And I love, I loved our last chat. And the reason why I asked you back is there was a topic that we didn't really get a, a good chance to kind of delve into. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's episode 73 um, about body image and cravings and dieting and yo-yoing and really your body image stories with you, Beck. Um, so welcome back. So let me, before we jump into the topic of STIs, sexually transmitted infections, is um, tell us what day of your cycle you're on and what are you checking in with today? So I'm a week, well, I'm one week into not having my period. So I don't even know what you call that week. You can so One week into not having a period. So you had your period a week ago. Yeah. Finished, okay, so you... finished, finished Friday. Yeah, finished okay. Friday. So you are in your inner springtime, moving towards your ovulation, which is obviously a really important thing to know if you are sexually active. Actually, yeah, I checked my um, I checked my flow app because I've started tracking my cycle, which I've never done before. You've never tracked your cycle? Not until I just started working with a female coach and she said to me, I want you to start tracking. I've, I've always worked with men. And she was like, I want you to start tracking your cycle. And then I got a notification the Friday 
it was the day before my period was coming. He was like, your period might come today. I was like, what do you mean? Every month it's a surprise. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> and the period came. So I was looking at the app the other day and because I actually was sexually active on the weekend, it's like not unlikely, like low likely chance of you getting pregnant. I'm like, oh, well, that's good to know. And then it marks the entire way along. I'm like, this is actually very, very, very fascinating. It's very, very fascinating. Apps. Yeah. Um, and everyone who's been listening to this show for a while knows that I'm all about written apps, like written trackers, like using a written tracker over an actual app because apps can be a little bit misleading sometimes, especially for contraception, um, co- conception, contraception and ovulation yeah. um, and your fertile window because it doesn't take, they, the app is not in your life every day knowing what might contribute to an early ovulation or a late ovulation or a delayed ovulation for whatever matter. Um, so there's lots of different reasons and I guess contributing factors, but I love that you're tracking your cycle now and I'm really excited for you to get that experience. And I, um, I guess everyone's just listening to me share about what cycle tracking is, but you'll get to know the four phases of your cycle. And so we live with seasons and you you currently would be in your inner spring moving towards your inner summer. So you probably feel very, and let me know, actually, you probably feel quite creative, inspired, um, more high energy. You're like, Oh, I, I want to go out and take on the world. Kind of that vibe. Yeah. I've got, I've got like personally a lot of stuff going on in life, but I do know that that creative kind of fire energy is there. So that's actually why my coach has me tracking it because a lot of the work that I do is creative and creative expression. So it's really about me maximizing. She calls it machine gun week. So me really maximizing when those weeks hit and then the weeks, you know, you have those days where 12 hours goes by and you're like, I did an entire week's worth of work today and with ease, grace, flow and just like bang, 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 bang so that I can really maximize on that day. And then the day where I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to book a call. (laughs) I don't want to go on a podcast. I don't want to do nothing except for eat chocolate (laughs) and maybe go for a nice little light brisk walk. So she wants me to, really be able to do that, nourish myself when I need nourishment, really take advantage of the machine gun when it's there. So that's Mm -hmm. where I'm at of learning all about it right now. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing. Let's (laughs) get into today's topic for this episode, which is STIs. Now, it's a very unspoken about topic. Um, There's a lot of shame around this topic. And given that we talk all about sex pre and periods here on the Wellwoman podcast, I thought we've never really opened up the discussion around sexually transmitted diseases or infections. And um, let's start by your story with your journey with sexually transmitted infections, STIs. Yeah, amazing. Um, first of all, thank you for opening this conversation because I think it's so pivotal that uh, these conversations are put out there and that women and men forget to free themselves of guilt and shame and know that they're not the only one. Um, I definitely searched for podcasts like what we're about to talk to now. I just searched for women, beautiful, bold, brave, amazing women who are doing great things in the world. I searched for them on the internet for seven years, someone that could make a stand for me to make me feel okay for my pain, and I couldn't find it, and that's why I'm always a yes to these kind of conversations so that we can be the women that I searched for. But what happened for me, and this is kind of following on episode 73, my journey was one of seeking love and external love and acceptance outside of myself through the vehicle of external validation. And my personal philosophy, my personal belief is that when we avoid emotional pain, we only further manifest more physical pain into our reality. 
So it's quite a spiritual uh, idea of life, but it's what resonates and feels really true for me. And in our last podcast, we touched on the disordered eating. We touched on the horror overseas breast surgery. The final thing that came for me, I was 25. I was in a relationship with a man that I really, really loved. I was besotted with him, but he couldn't love me in the bedroom the way that I really needed and desired him to. And I put that back on. I couldn't love myself the way that I needed to love myself. So there's no way that he could. And I actually ended up cheating and leaving him for another man. Now, that man, even though he denies it, and I'm totally at complete peace of where it's come from, but that man gave me an STI, which is the herpes simplex virus. And when I found that out, my whole life, what it felt like, came crashing down. Um, I remember the week I was experiencing these intense pains in my stomach in the lower part of my abdomen and I'm not one to complain of pain. I'm very pro-natural health, very healthy, very energetic. Love my ice baths, love natural foods, love natural supplements. So it's very rare that I'm sick, very rare that I complain of pain. And I remember saying to my girlfriend at the beginning of the week, I'm in so much pain in my stomach. It looked kind of hurt to breathe, started to hurt to walk. But as the days went on, it got increasingly more severe. By Friday, I could barely walk. It hurt to urinate and I was like, I have to go to the doctor. Maybe I've got a urinary tract infection or something, UTI. Mm. Went to the doctor. Now, because at age 25, I'd had a small amount of sexual partners. I'd only been with boyfriends. Casual sex wasn't on my radar. I marked myself safe from STIs. I'd never had an STI check, which is naive of me, but also that's lacking education in my school system. I went to quite a private all-girls school where... We, I had no education around STIs. I had no knowledge of what they were. I was just like, I've only been with boyfriends. I'm safe. So I went to the doctor and I explained my symptoms. And she said to her, let's just do a routine STI check. And I remember looking at her and I go, no, not me. I only sleep with boyfriends. Can't be that. Next. And she's like, well, when was the last time, Rebecca, that you actually did an STI check? And that's when I was, that's like kind of the first penny drop of, Oh no, I haven't. Like, I just sleep with boyfriends, so I'm safe. And she's like, Oh no, they're quite common. I'd say this is the first place that we go. And so we did a routine STI check. And then I remember her going, Oh, honey. And then sitting me down in front of her, she printed off a fact sheet for herpes, handed it to me, and she said, You, you have herpes. And I didn't know, I still didn't know what herpes was. I had no idea. So I was just like, Great. Okay, what's the, tell me the prescription that I take. Is it a prescription? Is it something that I medicate with? Is it an injection? How do I get rid of this thing? And then she turned around and said, you don't. And that's when, like, I felt like the floor fell from under me. And that's when I was like, my life now is ruined. And from that point, my head just went into overdrive of, oh, my God, I have an STD. I'm diseased. I'm this disgusting, awful, horrible person. All the words of girls that you scream at me in high school have now come true. No one will ever love me again. Oh, my God, I'm with this guy that's meant to be a rebound. He's given me something. He's only meant to be two months of fun. Now I have to be with him forever. No man is ever going to want me again. I'm real. And that was just like the back narrative going on in my head. And she gave me a prescription and I left, bawling my eyes out. Mm. And then I was just like, no one can ever know this about me. No one except for this man that I'm with. Like I told him, I went to his house, broke down. And he promised me a week before we slept together, he had an STI check and he's all clear and that it didn't come from him. And I'm at, like I said, complete, complete pace of peace of and acceptance of wherever it came from. I called this on my path. And the interesting thing is 
herpes isn't part of a routine check in Australia. So unless you've had an outbreak, they don't check for it. But 70% of people with it don't get outbreaks for it. So go figure. He probably did have a routine STI check the week before. That was clear. But potentially he was still a carrier of the herpes virus. Quick question on that. Um, yeah. I'm loving I'm loving this open conversation, by the way. I hope everyone who's listening is also enjoying <laughs> You're this. You're like, oh, God, I don't need to ask her a question. She'll just keep talking. <laughs> but a question I have is how do you get tested? Like, what is the process? Because I know a lot of people think, oh, well, it, it, like, it's got to be like a swab or can it be a blood test or, you know, how does, like, do you have to have a, an outbreak of the infection to be able for it to be able to show up? So what is the, f- firstly, how do you get tested? And then let's go into like, what is herpes? So I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist around this. They say that you cannot test for it unless you have an outbreak. They say that the only way to truly test, test for it is there's an outbreak there and they can swab it. Yet you can go to the doctor and you can do a blood test and it will come up in your results, HSV1, which is cold sores on your mouth, HSV, which you can go from top to bottom and bottom to top, or HSV2, which is genital herpes. Now, what it will say once you do your blood test is antibodies detected or nil. So all you have to do is go to your doctor and request a blood test. I tell all my girlfriends and all my clients lie and just say that you're sleeping because doctors are told not to test for it. I just say, tell them that you're sleeping with someone who's told you that they test positive for herpes and you want to check that you're all good. If you have it, you're all good still, but just you want to check so that you can be in integrity when you're sleeping with people. But doctors say that you can't test for it unless you, unless, um, you can swab it and there's an outbreak. Doctors say that um, you can't transfer it on unless you have an outbreak. Again, this is not true. So what I recommend to everyone, if you would like to find out what's going on with your own sexual health, is just go to your doctor, say you're sleeping with someone who's confided in you that they have herpes and you'd like to do a full routine blood test. If If antibodies are detected, it does mean that you're a carrier of the virus because this is another thing doctors have said to me because I went on a full journey of, because like I said, I'm pro natural health. I believe that I could free myself, heal myself naturally. So I went all around Australia doing plant medicines. I've done probably every plant medicine that there was and I would do a blood test afterwards. Now doctors say if you test positive for antibodies, you don't have herpes. You've just come into contact with the virus. You've obviously slept with someone who has it. That again, isn't true. You're a carrier of the virus, which means that you have the potential to pass it on to someone else. I guess you could think about it like having the flu. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just like, it's another strain of the chicken pox. It actually, it actually is. And remember as children, we all got chicken pox once. One kid got chicken pox, all the parents put all the kids together. So all the kids would get chicken pox. You all got chicken pox once, chicken pox never came again. That's literally the same. I remember mum throwing us in the bath, me and my brothers, so we all got to. Yeah. I remember having a a birthday party. It was meant to be at McDonald's, (laughs) big train. Remember when they used to have trains? Mm -hmm. So I had a birthday party, got cancelled because I got chicken box. But then I remember all the parents bringing the kids around so that we could all get chicken box. And so you, so with the herpes. It's a really bizarre thought. It's like, oh, why don't we all get together for an orgy and let's all get herpes? (laughs) Um... (laughs) But let's let's actually talk about, because there's a big difference between 
disease, so diseasement in the body and an infection. Yeah. So let's talk about that. And then I do want to go into the question, like, what is herpes? Because I know a lot of people um, of all ages listen to this podcast and I'd like to clear that up. So let's talk about the stigma. About so the I feel disease. like there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stigma attached to it. There's, you know, it's a brunt of all jokes in movies. So we've really been programmed by society to think that this thing is really bad really awful and if you get it you have to stay silent about it it makes you unlovable unworthy no one's going to want to sleep with you again none of those things are true um i feel like the reason people stay so silent is because of that but the more that we speak out about it and the thing the more i talk about it i get so many in private messages on instagram every single day of me too me too me too thank you so much for coming forward you make me feel better me too and i wish that more people got to speak forward and say me too so that we could all just be like wow all of us, like so many of us, let's move on from this now and clear ourselves and free ourselves from the guilt and shame or consuming thoughts of I'm this unworthy, unlovable person. Now, I feel like STD, the word disease, has a lot of negative connotation attached to it. Herpes is a virus, like the flu virus. It's literally HSV, herpes simplex virus. It's a skin infection. It's not a disease. Um, and that's really... I guess the long and short answer for you. I feel like the fact that it, the D part, the STD, the disease, is why people also associate so much shame because then they go through this cycle of, I'm a diseased person. Does disease make me bad or like I could die or end someone's life early? Am I brutally harming someone or if they were to sleep with me? Uh, all of these things that, the virus isn't a problem at all. It's, uh, for, for those that get breakouts, I feel like they can manage them well through natural health. Majority of people don't get breakouts. The only thing that is attached to herpes is stigma and severely impacted mental health. Mm. I love that you shared that so openly and simply about that, you know, herpes is a skin infection mm. because I know that with, um, with, the conversation around herpes is a lot of people don't really understand what it is. So they just think, well, they kind of just put it into the bracket of this is a really bad thing. You've got herpes. I don't want to go anywhere near you, but skin infection can also be like excessive eczema or psoriasis. Um, you know, and like you said, some, of my, some women that I've worked with have had male partners who get cold sores on their mouth who have during oral sex gone down on them. After that, the woman has got a breakout on her vagina. So she's got HSV1 now on her vulva. And so now she associates guilt and shame with, I now have genital herpes. It, and her feeling disappointed, uh, betrayed, upset with the partner. Um, and it's literally cold sores. It's literally a skin condition. There gets to be no... I mean, I don't want to be a herpes activist by any means. I, it's a part of my message. It's not my only message. Mm -hmm. That's a good Because point. it's the smallest piece of the self-worth puzzle. Yep. And while you're focused and consumed with the thoughts of it, it feels like the only thing. Once you break through it, it's just, that's why I don't do only podcasts on herpes. I think it's important that we talk about it. And I think it's also important that I don't only talk about it because it's not the only thing. It's the same thing with, if you look at someone, um, let's talk about it in cycles because we're all about, you know, cycle awareness and cycle health with um, this, this podcast, is that when someone has 
period pain or a longer cycle. It's not going to be that way forever. And if you attach yourself that I always have longer cycles and then you take the name of that on, it actually can damage your health further for like in a much more intense way. And not only that is that it's never like I have a longer cycle because I miss ate my food throughout the month, or I have a longer cycle because I was extremely emotional. That one thing can be affected through the interrelationship of your life. So it's not just, Oh, I have this because of that reason. And that one thing makes me feel like this. It looks okay. Well, I had a really bad sleep. So how does that impact me nutritionally, mentally, physically, and emotionally? Mm. It's the same I feel with any topic around sex, even STIs or STDs. Is it's not just that one particular thing. It's like, well, let's look at how is this affecting my overall well-being and health, which is. I love that you said that because I actually don't say I have herpes. I say I test positive for the herpes virus because I don't have herpes. I've freed myself from the mental prison that was herpes stigma. And physically, I don't get herpes. So uh, if I did, it would be a great indicator to me that like, whoa, what's come up for me here? Am I stressed? Am I drinking a great quality water? Am I not drinking enough water? Have I been eating terrible food? Am I stressed at work? Am I overworked? A lot of women, um, and this could be a generalization, but when it comes to the herpes virus, because it comes with the stigma of being disgusting and awful, they then think the more I work on my physical image, if I'm more beautiful, if a man finds me really attractive, it would be like, oh, she has herpes, but she's a, I hate these kind of terms, she's 10 out of 10 or she's a nine out of 10. Like, you're, you're so attractive that it wouldn't matter. And so over-exercising over is a stress to the body. So yeah. some women who really work out a lot will say to me, why do you not get breakouts? I get breakouts all the time. Because you're putting so much stress on your body. Your body doesn't want to work out three and a half hours a day so that if you meet a man, he's like, oh, you're, you're good enough because you're pretty enough. No, no. You get to rid yourself of that, this thing that you've got, this thing that you test positive for defines you as a person. You're a tattoo, I, I test positive for herpes, that makes that mean, what does that mean about me? So for as long as you make that mean, I'm bad, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, I'm unattractive, I have to contribute more to a relationship to kind of, you know, have the pendulum swing into balance because it makes me, it takes points off me. Mm -hmm. as long as you attach a meaning to it that's what it's actually creating in your reality as soon as you say actually this means nothing about me and really what i flipped it to mean is anyone that truly deserves me anyone that doesn't want me to just be their handbag because for a long time i did attract men who wanted me to be their pretty nice handbag on their side but not outspoken definitely not a woman with herpes like it ridded me of any man that just didn't see me for me and any man that truly deserves me, any man, and I, hate, I dislike the term again, man enough, but any man that doesn't want to succumb to the peer pressures of society and what people think of me, they'll be like, oh, herpes, not a big deal. Next, I thought you were about to say something bad. Exactly. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. 
Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention, it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. I love, I love this conversation. <laughs> yeah, it really is all about flipping your relationship with it and recreating like i said about food create as long as herpes is, isn't charged there's no energy around herpes it's a neutral energy just like food just like exercise it's the charge that we give to it so as long as i make herpes bad and something that's in my life to ruin me that's what it'll do as soon as i turn it into oh you're this great divine little piece of my puzzle for me to deep dive within me and actually heighten my relationships and the depths i can go in them wow what a gift it's a, it is a really beautiful gift and it comes back to the language that we use with ourselves mm-hmm. because the words we speak really, we become the words we speak. And that's like, I've shared a number of times um, on the show about my journey with PCOS and how, when I was diagnosed in inverted brackets and told that I had PCOS, I came home to my partner at the time and I told him and he's like, you've got PCOS really? And I was like, I don't think I do. And so I never told anybody that I had it because I didn't want that to become me. I didn't want to be, oh, I have PCOS. And now I actually don't have PCOS. So it's interesting that your mindset has a huge impact in how you actually live out what you're experiencing. Mm. Um, But let's, there's a couple of like really, um, I guess, I don't want to say simple questions, but vulnerable questions that people Mm. don't really always know the answer to about STIs and herpes. So I want to just ask them really quickly and get your brief response on them. But does herpes and STI affect sex itself? Like your sex life, not the life of you having the communication, but your actual sexual experience. Does it affect that? STIs have never affected my sex life. My period has. (laughs) But that's one thing that a lot of women, when I first went quite public about it, they all said, Herpes has never affected my sex life. What, what affects my sex life is getting my period once a month. So, no. It I love that. Um, if you've got frequent breakouts, potentially, and like I say, you have to man- get to manage that and deep dive into your own personal health situation. Yep. And your stress, absolutely. Stress management, it would be the number one thing. But in terms of affecting your sex life, absolutely not. And it's an important thing to openly discuss your sexual health, like all the time. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Um, where does herpes, the virus, live in the body? It is, I think once it, and I'm not, I'm not a scientist by any means, I think it stays in your spine. It's just like the flu virus. So mm-hmm. once so it's in the bone marrow, which is why you will always test positive forever. I haven't really deep dive into it in terms of, I've had one friend reach out and be like, do you know your markers? He probably couldn't even, like, he's, he's like full science minded. I'm not. I'm more like spiritual. I own it. It doesn't affect me. I'm moving on with my life instead of yeah. like deep diving into the intricacies of herpes. No, it's a really good answer. Um, I just know that some people are like, does it live like in your womb? Does it live like no. in your vulva? Is it in your gut? 
So I love that. Like, that's a great, great question. Um, thank you. Next question is how common is genital, genital herpes? Well, they say 30% of the population. I would suggest... Which is like one in three. One in three. I would, they say that 50% carries the herpes virus because uh, cold sores on your mouth, HSV1, is classed as herpes. I personally think it would be a lot more. Um, I believe it's rampant in society because 70% of people don't get outbreaks. Majority of everyone else who does gets one outbreak and then one or two, maybe three. A lot of my clients get one every couple of years. I've had one in seven. Um, what is an outbreak like for those who have never experienced it and asking themselves, oh, shit, do I have herpes? Like, what is an outbreak like? Okay, so my first outbreak was horrific. And that's why I lived in a lot of fear because I thought that it would come back and I was so scared. The first outbreak is uh, very painful. It hurts to urinate. I just spent days in the bath and in the shower and I took, and I'm not into um, drugs or pharmaceutical meds, but I took a Xanax. I would sleep for 24 hours. I would wake up, take another Xanax. But since then, but the what I've read since and what I've been informed since is that your first break outbreak is the worst. And then after that, it would be like one cold sore on your genitals. That's really um, good to share. Yeah. So I think for anyone, for anyone that has a partner that's disclosed them, that's choosing whether to go there or not, it would be like be prepared for your first effort was to come your first outbreak is the worst and then that doesn't happen again and um, if you're going to like if it if it's going to be disclosed and you, you choose that as a journey i like to think if you're going to have a sexual experience i know everyone's into different types of sexual experiences yeah. but you know if you i feel if you're going to as a woman allow a man to enter you or mm -hmm. another female in some way shape or form that you want to be able to have that person hold and support you if that was to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So having that conversation is really important. And whilst it's vulnerable, um, vulnerable conversations actually heighten your sexual experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and I think we we're touching on this before we got on. I, I believe that for those people that get to choose their journey, they, there's so much less guilt and shame attached to it. And they're like, well, you sat me down and you said, hey, Beck, I'm really interested in you. And just so that you know, I'm a carrier of the herpes virus. Um, so if we were to go there and go there unprotected, there is the potentiality that you could contract it. There's a, also a chance that you won't. Um, it is easier for a man to give it to a woman than for a woman to give it to a man. And then I feel like in that moment, the person gets to choose. And so if, it, if and when it does happen, there's no guilt and shame attached to it or so much less. It's when it's a surprise um, that the woman or the man experiences. Like, why did this happen to me? Like for me, I was like, I covered all bases. I only said with boyfriends, I asked every man, had they been checked? And so for me, there wasn't the opportunity to be held vulnerably because there was so much shame attached to this surprise versus if I was with someone and, you know, for the past two years, I've been incredibly honest about disclosure. Um, and now I'm very public about it. So, you know, he just already knows. But for those, sorry, just to cut you off. For those who are unaware of Beck's public, <laughs> um, you did a really beautiful Instagram post about the fact that your online dating profiles, like in the bio, shared that you test positive for herpes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pop a link to that in the show notes. So if people would like to have a direct link to Beck's 
post about this, which opened up a lot of really open conversations, including inspired this podcast episode. Um, and I just wanted to jump in quickly and cut you off to say, hey, look, if you want to check that out, I'll pop a link in so you can you can have a look at what, what Beck's talking about. And they can even reflect. I mean, I only went public this year in January um, and I did that live on Facebook and I shared that to my Instagram TV. And you can see how nervous I am. And my hands are shaking. My, my voice is shaking. I was so scared because I thought it, what I, what I made it mean about me. And to the point now that I put up dating profiles saying I test positive for herpes now let's move on to what's really important to show people that the breakthrough can happen fast like the journey is long while you're in it and once you're through it it's really quick let's rip that band-aid hey yeah and um for any woman really stressing about disclosing and what how she thinks a man will respond I've created all of these huge stories about what the man would say when I told him and the first time I told him man, it felt like I was jumping off the top of the bungee. I love bungee jumping, but my heart, the somatic response, my body was, was responding the same way I, I feel at the top of the bungee jump. Mm. And as soon as I said it, he looked at me and he was like, Oh, I thought you were going to tell me something bad. All good. Like, I'm sorry these things have happened to you. Like I want to hug you. I want to kiss you. I want to make you feel better. I wish I could punch the guy in the face that has hurt you. But I don't think anything any less of you. In fact, I think more. And I was just like, oh, what? All this time of me shaming myself and you just turned around and said that to me? And it happened again and again and again and again. That was really the context for which I was like, I get to go public with this because no one's judging me about this except for myself. Mm. And that's, I guess, the journey of getting to know yourself because we are our own biggest critics and that's for sure Mm. let's talk about um it's a topic i'm asked about a lot actually with contraception Mm -hmm. um and safe sex practices so it's not the question's not going to be about contraception beck it's more about having safe sex practices so when you know personally yourself um you know testing positive for herpes and being sexually active what are your chosen um I guess, safe sex practices around, I guess you could say contraception. Well, (laughs) I've been using the pull-out method since I was 23. Um, I'm 32 now. Still have not fallen pregnant, touch wood. (laughs) But in terms of the herpes virus, I mean, for me, I believe that contracting the herpes virus has made me so much more conscious of my sexual health. And I think sometimes when we, when we first contract it, we think it's about other people protecting themselves from us. Like we make ourselves out to be bad and we could potentially give this to someone else. But really it's made me realise herpes is the greatest STI that you could ever get. Like nothing bad can come from it once you break through the mental stigma of it. But I subjected my, for the time that I went through quite a toxic relationship with men and what I would say, quote unquote, sleeping around, the danger that I potentially exposed myself to that I'm grateful nothing else came from that. So I'm now very intentional about who I sleep with. We discuss sexual health first in terms of where they're at, what they test positive for or not, vice versa. I test positive for the herpes virus. And then uh, the partners that I have chosen, we have never used any kind of protection. I feel like personally for me, the condom is a barrier between connection and not something that I enjoy or, and they enjoy. And I also don't like the pill personally. 
Um, it's not a choice that I make and I don't judge others for it. It just doesn't make me feel um, from past experiences based on all the ones that I had tried up until the age of 23, very good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I'm intentional about who I sleep with. We discuss sexual health first and then there is no really, no contraception except for the pull-out method. Great. Thank you for sharing. I know that it's a really awkward style of conversation when you meet someone for the first time or you're having a sexual conversation with someone for the first time, it's vulnerable. And if you like them, that's probably why you're going, you're thinking about or considering having sex with them. You don't want to fuck it up, pardon Mm -hmm. the pun, Um, but you don't want to like fuck up the opportunity or what you've built together so far. So vulnerability really is the place of growth but it's also the the place i feel beck that brings you closer together and so Mm -hmm. this opens up you know the next question and topic we can discuss is about how to have vulnerable sex conversations with people because i feel like this is a bit of a mind fuck excuse the excuse the pun again but you know as i can only speak from my experience as a woman but as a woman overthinking about like, well, if I say this, what will their reaction be? And how do I bring it up? And how do we make it like an easy conversation? That's not awkward. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about vulnerable sex conversations. Okay. Well, first for me, I have a, I have a, I last year as part of a course that I did that I still, the practices still embody now is writing standards. And so I have standards around food. I have standards around fitness. I have standards around men. And one of the things on that list is that he's highly sexual and he's open-minded. And that's two of the things that I believe that I am. Like everything that's on that list, I feel that I also get, I can contribute. I'm not asking him to be something that I'm not, but something that I'm also willing to give. And so when it comes to sex and the conversation, if he's not willing to go there with me, then that kind of is not my person. But I will always open the conversation and know that the hard conversations that we're scared of are often the best that allows us to get deeper with each other, deeper within ourselves and avoidance feels like you emotionally and physically have to hold back from someone. So that's why I actually made the comment before about condoms, because I know that some men and some women will meet someone and be unsure about them. So for me, I have to be a hundred percent. Yes. To I've already had my time of, casually seeing people exploring casual sex after so many years of not I've done that it's kind of boring and on repeat now so for me being with someone I'm very intentional I know what I'm there for the condom for me is a barrier just like not having a vulnerable conversation is a barrier how can you go to the depths of sex with me if you can't go to the depth of conversation with me so I think for people, for women, if they're concerned about having that conversation, practice, practice with girlfriends. I love, I could talk about sex all day long. And there's, I think that I'm a very open person. So there isn't really anything that can't come out of my mouth. And if I'm with someone that makes me feel like I have to restrict or constrict, then I've kind of realized that they're not my person. If I was on a podcast right now and the interviewer was making me feel awkward, I'd be like, this is, this, I, I really appreciate that you invited me on here. And it's probably not going to serve you, me, or your audience. And I'd be a no. Same as as when it comes to sex. Like there's a natural energy, a natural chemistry, a natural way to speak. And if that person can't hold you and you feel like you can't open up to them, I feel like energy speaks loudly. And if there's something in you that's like, 
I can't tell this person something. Or he wants to use a condom which makes me feel like I'm this disgusting, diseased person that could potentially infect him. Well, that would be a no from me. Like, I'd be like, I appreciate that you are open, but you obviously don't like me enough. Like, if I reflect back, there's three, you know, there's three men in my life that had they have had the STI conversation with me and told me that they test positive for something, I would have been like, I like you so much that that doesn't matter to me. And so for me, that, that would be a clear indicator. It's fine. And I can tell energetically by the way that you act and the things that you say that you're just not a full body yes to me, which, is, which makes me not a full body yes to you. Not sure if that answered it. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's all about exploring it really rather than just answering because like everything, nothing is static. So an answer doesn't have to be permanent and it might change in the future. So how we think about something today might be different to how we think about it tomorrow. And that's because we are ever evolving and life is your lesson, but you're, you're spot on with it being a full body. Yes. And I think that uh, to kind of sum up our chat today about these really vulnerable and open topics is to know what it is that you're doing, know your sexual health, explore your own sexual health with the people you're being sexual with if you um and you would probably know this more than me um having done rosie Rees's um naked awakening training but i feel that if you were unsure about let's just say you test a positive um for a virus a sexually transmitted virus that if you were really feeling disheartened and lower in your self-worth would you agree that it'd be a great opportunity to self-pleasure yeah Yes, um, not even pleasure, but more love your body. Like get a feather and run a feather all the way over your body. Massage your body. Play. I have a playlist on my Spotify called Pleasure Practice. Play songs that are like evoke. Ooh, I love the sound of that. Yeah, and like touch your body and grip it and massage it and go from like strong massage to light touch and just really honor your body or um, a great bit of guidance that Rosie gave myself and in my group program, she did one on body honor and body love and connecting with your vulva. It's just like cupping your yoni and putting one hand on your heart. And just I like, love doing that. We've yeah, talked about this on the podcast before. Holding her and listening to her um, because I feel a lot of women based on my experience of them can go into, when it comes to self-pleasure, can go into that, I'm going to, pleasure myself the way man pleasure me and that can sometimes most often be the opposite of what we're trying to do here you're not trying to essentially f yourself you're trying to connect with yourself you that's what that's the intention so you could enter your room you could clear your space you could and i was so when i my my female coach gave me this she was like i want you to romance yourself because i'd be like Ugh, romance i hate that word when a man tries to romance me i'm like stop it I'm so turned off. Yeah. She's like, that's interesting. What's there for you? Let's romance yourself. But really that's where I created my own pleasure practice, my own pleasure playlist, my own oil that I would massage myself with. I went and bought like intentionally. I was like, what would I love? What would excite me to massage myself with? So that I take my pleasure and my honor and my love and my appreciation for my body into my own hands. Because what often happens when we go into this shame cycle is, 
once I get another person to accept me for the things that I think fault and flaw me, then that will make me okay. But that's the biggest trick of the ego because it's quite easy for me to say to you, hey, Gemma, I test positive for herpes. And you say, oh, hey, Beth, it's cool. I don't care. I still accept you exactly the way that you are. I'm like, oh, right. Then I go to a man, hey, I test positive for herpes. That's cool, Beth. I still want to date you, love you, be your boyfriend. And then I could be with that man, which I have done in the past. So the first few men that I told I should explore him because he accepts all of me. But I'm still rejecting that part of myself. So it's easy for me to the person to get the other person to accept the faults and flaws that we think make us less than. It's up to the woman to take her pleasure and her self-acceptance into her own hands versus thinking that as soon as I get someone else to accept me for the things I judge myself for, that makes me okay. Because that's, that journey is going to come to an end and you're going to realise that you're somewhere that you thought would bring you peace, love and acceptance, but it didn't. And you're still rejecting yourself. There are women in marriages testing positive for the herpes virus that haven't told their husbands, that have reached out to me on Instagram, that are still rejecting that part of themselves. With children. Full acceptance, yeah. Well, so you get to take your pleasure, your love, your body, your acceptance into your own hands. And, yeah, I feel like that could be a really powerful. It doesn't have to be pleasure as such. It could just, it just I, think, I think loving touch. Yeah, I think well, the way that I see the word pleasure is pleasing yourself. Yeah. doesn't mean getting off, but yeah. also pleasing your muscles, pleasing your heart, pleasing, you know, your heart chakra, pleasing your womb space. That's how I kind of um, view the pleasure. Um, Beck, I've loved that you've made time to come and chat with us again um, on the show and really open up about, like I've already mentioned, such a vulnerable topic and a topic that I think, we all need to be discussing a little bit more. Doesn't mean it has to be on the front page of every freaking paper around the world, but, you know, just openly having conversations about it. And I think too, in the world that we live in with online dating being such a, a big way that we connect with people and not really knowing them as people until we've met up in person. Um, it's a really great lesson for us all to learn how we can become a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more, what's a good way to put it? connected with self and putting yourself first and also compassionate i feel like when we get when we yeah yeah really compassionate i've had a few women message me lately saying you know before i shared about this i just wanted to be perfect so i would try and portray this perfect version of myself and a lot of women were like i used to judge you thinking that you would just were perfect and now i just see you as such a see you in such a different light and so much more beautiful not intimidating and like, oh, she's got everything and I don't. And now I see the real you. And I can now reflect back on the old version of you that I was judging or comparing and look at her with compassion, realizing how much pain she was actually in and mm. trying to disguise a mask. So I feel like that's beautiful to see, see someone know you really know, don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And we can just start looking at ourselves through a compassionate lens, which in turn will mean that we start looking at other people through that same compassionate view. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Um, I want to say thank you so much. We always finish the podcast episodes off with a question around, you know, tell, you know, your, tell us what your three guiding tips would be to younger menstruating self, but let's turn that because you've already answered this on episode 73, but let's make that around sex. What are three guiding tips that you would give to your younger sexual self? Think about when you're first exploring your sexuality. 
what are three sexual um, tips that you would give to young sexual women? Mm. I would say be confident to use your voice and ask for what you want. Um, I would say three young tips. I would say don't settle and that your needs are important. And I would say have the hard conversations and listen to your intuition. Beautiful. I love that. Beautiful tips. Let's sum it up at that. Becky, so thank you so much for coming and joining us again on the show. And um, for everyone who would love to connect with Beck, be sure to check out our notes in um, the show notes of this episode. Reach out and say hi with her on Instagram and, um, and thank her for being so open and vulnerable about these topics. Mm, I hope it serves some or, some or all of your listeners. That was great. Thank you for having me on again. I'm sure it has, hon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women Podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect, and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister, or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag WellWomenPodcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 